0: So call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today. is seth manter and you are listening to the new tuesday episode of that sober guy big shout out to the homie shane raymer and his lovely wife the jess for having the faith in me to start this new show it's a great honor and i'm super pumped also much love to the listeners that continue to ask shane for more seth you've been a huge part in making this happen And as a very regular listener and guest of That Sober Guy, I've always envisioned starting my own show, but I've always lacked the confidence to do so. And you, the listeners, have played a vital role in beginning to build my confidence and starting a whole new journey. So thank you so much, much love for allowing me to step out of my comfort zone. And I'm super pumped on this. So I think it's I think it's super important that I do say that I'm not an addiction professional. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a recovery specialist. What I am, I'm just a regular dude uh, that has been able to string together multiple years of sobriety. And it's my hope that by sharing what has and has not worked for me will help someone out there. So on today's episode, I plan to get into my story a little bit. Um, for those of you that have listened to past episodes uh, with me on it, it may it may be somewhat of a repeat for you. For those of you that have not, hopefully there's some new stuff. Hopefully I say one thing that may help you out there. Uh, just kind of using this show kind of as an introduction to the new Tuesday shows. Um, this show will run in parallel with Shane's Friday show the, the hope and intent of the new Tuesday show is maybe to bring some more content, um, to bring some more guests out there, you know, to kind of expand and grow the That Sober Guy podcast. So before I dig into my story, my introduction, uh, be sure to check us out at www.thatsoberguy.com. For any past episodes, uh, there's tons of resources on there. And then also, please don't hesitate to contact us uh, through email. If you have some comments, some questions, you want to say, hey, what's up? You want to say, fuck you. Uh, please, please feel free to email us anytime. And, and you know, obviously we will try and go through those and, and respond to you guys um, in, a, in a very timely manner. So you could hit me up at my email address is Seth. That's S-E-T-H h at that sober or of course you could always hit shane up to uh at sobriety at that sober uh please help us out leave us a rating a review on itunes that helps uh, give the show a little bit more visibility so in search engines when uh searching for for sobriety podcasts we come up um and please be honest be honest. If you love us, tell us you love us. If you hate us, well, maybe you ought to tell us you love us too. And last but definitely not least, if you have any questions about whether you or a loved one may help you, you can contact Foundations Recovery at 877-714-1318. Foundations has nationwide residential and outpatient treatment facilities and they have the ability to provide a confidential assessment and review the best treatment options for you or your loved one so alcohol has been around my life for a very long time Um, i always remember my parents using alcohol as a means to socialize with friends uh, strangers anyone that came to the house the first thing that they asked you know could i get you something to drink and that drink was usually an alcoholic beverage I always had the ability to see that it gave people that ability to loosen up and to relieve stress. Uh, I didn't grow up in a, in, a, in an abusive household. I didn't grow up in an alcoholic household, um, by any means, um, you know, but alcohol was always around. So I always kind of, you know, had, had a little bit of curiosity in what it would do for me, um, growing up as, as a, as a young boy. Uh, One thing that I do remember is that I always had the feeling of less than, uh, maybe not loved. Um, Not to say that I wasn't loved because I know that I was loved, but there was something inside my own head that I had created um, or that my mind had created that, you know, maybe I wasn't good enough. Maybe I wasn't loved. You know, I had always lacked confidence. I had always questioned the love that was given to me. In the fifth fifth or sixth grade, I think is when I had my first drunk. And through that drunk, I, I realized that those feelings of less than, not being able to talk to a stranger or a girl, was taken away as soon as I allowed that alcohol into my body or I consumed that alcohol. So from that point on I was hooked. It gave me the ability to not feel. It gave me the ability to socialize. It gave me confidence. What Shane relates to or refers to as the liquid courage, the alcohol definitely, definitely did that for me. And it turned me into somebody that I wasn't. It got me out of, it got me out of self, took me away from, from shy Seth into party boy mode, um, for sure. My drinking most definitely started at a, at a young age, in the fifth grade, um, and it carried on through through junior high and into high school. Always doing that for me, always taking me out of self and making me feel, you know, well, fuck, like Superman. Um, making me feel better than, than what my sober self felt like. So I was definitely, definitely hooked on it. Um, It was in high school that I started realizing that maybe just the alcohol alone wasn't doing enough for me. Maybe I had built up a tolerance, um, but I needed I needed more. So in high school, I was um, introduced to, you know, uh, marijuana, pot, reefer. But whatever the fuck you want to call it, so started started smoking a lot of pot. Um, definitely, you know, in parallel with with the amount copious amounts of booze that I was drinking, um, in an attempt to not feel, in an attempt to not have to deal with life, um, in an attempt to constantly feel loved or not stressed or that I had the confidence. And as I look back now, um, I relate that to one thing. It was my inability to deal with unpleasant feelings about myself. Um, I was always running from that and always searching for something that would take me out of self. And for me, drugs and alcohol did that for me. So in high school started definitely using uh, drugs, started out with the pot, um, Got into using uh, ecstasy, you know, in in social situations, and then constantly yearned for it, man. I constantly yearned for that feeling of not not feeling at all. So another important point too, in in, in conjunction with the the ability or the desire to not want to feel, I often fell into the victim loop um, when I was sober or when I wasn't using. Um, especially in high school, um, you know, it was always it was always my parents' fault as to why I had so many problems. It was always someone else's fault. It was the teacher's fault that I was getting a D in the class. It was my parents' fault that I couldn't go out. It was my parents' fault that I you know maybe didn't have a new pair of shoes every day so i definitely did fall into that victim mentality um, when when i was sober for sure and you know you, you you mix that victim mentality up with the lack of confidence that i had the the lack of self love um, you know it was a, it was a recipe for disaster for sure so in my later years of high school as my drinking and drugging grew, as my quote unquote tolerance grew, the more, the more for me, the better. And it was in high school that I finally realized, or maybe I didn't realize, but it was told, often told to me that, you know, I was drinking more than what my homeboys were drinking and I was partying way more. But it's kind of strange because that, that ability for me to you know, drink. And of course I, I didn't handle, not that I handled my liquor better than anyone else, but I, I, I did get a little bit more wild and crazy and I brought a little bit more entertainment to the party for sure. So in my mind, I felt like Seth was someone that everyone always wanted to be around. Drunk Seth in my mind at that time in the high school years was definitely fun. I will say that, you know, the intent of, 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 of the alcohol and the drugs was for for social situation, but as I look back on it now, you know it was it was a way for me to have to not feel um, some of the insecurities and feelings that I was feeling growing up as a as a young boy. So after high school, I joined the military, um, where my drinking and um, you know obviously the drugs didn't follow, um, but most definitely the drinking followed me into the military. Um, in my, in my four years in the military, I was faced with uh, a couple alcohol incidents. Uh, there was two opportunities that I was going to be discharged under less than honorable conditions for sure. I was uh, assigned or required to go to my very first 45-day inpatient treatment. So this was my first attempt at rehab. And this time, you know, it, it, was, it was one of those things that I went and I was required to go In order to not be discharged from the military. So I most definitely um, took the military up on that opportunity to avoid some real adverse consequences that could have, uh, you know, that would have followed me throughout my entire life. Um, I will admit that I did not go because it was something that I wanted. Um, You know, I, I solely went because it was something, it was a way for me to get out of a serious consequence. So I did go through the entirety of the 45 day, uh, inpatient treatment. Um, it was a, you know, again, it was a military program. Our counselors were, were military members. Um, and to be looking back on it now, it was an excellent program. It was a very intensive, um, there was a lot of great teachings. Um, but I wasn't ready at that time. I wasn't ready to stop drinking, I wasn't ready to dive deep down into into the seth and into the whys of why I was drinking, what effect it had on me. I was more interested in avoiding a dishonorable discharge from the military. So after leaving rehab, I think I stayed sober for maybe three days. Um, Ended up getting back up to New York from Virginia. Um, and hid, hid my drinking for a very long time. You know, I, I, I separated myself from the, from the people that I would go out and party with, um, well in New York and I would stay in my barracks room and I would drink. And it was at that point in time that, um, I really realized that, you know, maybe, maybe I did have, maybe I did have a problem, but it didn't stop me. Um, It still continued to take the insecurities, the lack of self-worth, the lack of self-love away from me and allowed me to become numb to any feelings that I that I had. So at that time, um, you know, I definitely used it as as a way to escape the real world. And, you know, I was definitely most definitely isolating So in 2004, I, uh, exited the military with honorable, uh, under honorable conditions. I had, uh, served my obligation and there was no, no retributions from the two alcohol incidents that I had received from the military. My drinking up to this point, uh, 2004, I was probably 24 years old. Um, very, very minimal consequences. Um, it was more of a of, of a way for me to to advert. So after leaving the military, I um, enrolled in some in some classes, um, some junior college classes, and I was gonna live the life of party boy Seth again. That was the one of the biggest reasons that I decided to uh, end my enlistment and after my four years and my obligation in the military service because I wanted to get out. And I wanted to fucking party. I wanted to do drugs again. I wanted to have my life back. So I enrolled in some college courses. Uh, moved Moved in with some old childhood friends, um, who I still hang out to hang out with today, and I, I absolutely love. Um, but we most definitely uh, immersed ourselves into college life. You know, where, where the drinking and drugging and um, the aversion for me continued. Um, so I eventually, you know, felled out of college and realized that, you know, maybe college life wasn't for me. It was at that point in my life that I uh, decided that, you know what, fuck it. I'm not going to go to college. I'm just going to get a job. And the job turned into a means for me to even buy more booze. So the thought was to work more so that I could buy more booze so that I could party more. There were other plans. So this was the time that I started facing more consequences. You know, it seemed like um, every other month I was finding myself locked up in the drunk tank. This is where, you know, I... Got my got my DUI, so definitely some some more consequences. Um, you know, I th- I think that I was facing a couple of misdemeanor charges for some vandalism uh, vandalism, and was most definitely known at uh, you know the Sac County drunk tank for sure because I was in and out of there so much. However, with all the consequences that I was facing, you know, it didn't slow me down. Like I continued to drink more, um, I continued to push away the friends that, you know, didn't want to party to, to my standards. And I, I, I really found a group of people that, you know, that that's all that we, that I wanted. And it was at that point in time that I finally felt like a part of because I had found some people that were drinking. Um, you know, at this point in time, I gotten into a little bit of prescriptions, started using some cocaine on a, on a very, very, very regular basis. Um, and, you know, the, the pot smoking, uh, the mushrooms, anything I could get my hands on, I was game for. As long as it was going to take me out of self, it was going to keep me from being um, conscious, uh, you know. So that old saying that the chain says, you know, like I didn't get drunk. I, I didn't get high. I stayed drunk. I stayed high. I definitely lived that lifestyle for for a very long time. And I continue to live this lifestyle um, up until 2010. So, but between that time, you know, there was a couple, couple uh, big things that happened in my life. Um, for one, my older brother was, was involved in a motorcycle accident. And, you know, obviously my brother dealt with his, his own struggles and addictions and alcoholism for a very long time. He was involved in a motorcycle accident where he was completely fucking annihilated and he almost lost his life. Because he was drunk, he was able to survive this wreck because his body was, um, you know, at impact. He, he basically went limp. And so this accident had some life changes on my brother. Um, you know, he, he, he um, was in a coma for a very long time. Um, you know, and then there were some lasting effects of the motorcycle accident that, you know, in my mind and that came out later on down the line is that he was fucking hammered. You know, so my way of dealing with this was um, to not be by my brother's side in the hospital as he was going through the coma, but to isolate um, and drink and, and use to take that stuff, to take what my brother and my mother and my stepfather and my father and my brother's friends were going through to get that off of my mind. I was selfishly using so that I did not have to deal with the current situation. Um, and then it was in a couple years later, my mom was diagnosed with, uh, breast cancer. Um, you know, and I wasn't around for, for a lot of that. I was, I was out isolating, fucking off partying and, and living the, living the party boy life. So finally in 2010, um, I had, I had enough, I had enough of, of the lifestyle. Um, I had enough of, Some of the consequences that I was, that I was facing, I had enough of feeling, um, the way that I felt. I had enough of thinking that I always had to escape self, escape self through drugs and alcohol. Um, at this point in time, I had been with my now current wife, uh, Melanie for a couple months. Um, and there had been a couple instances where I had, you know, committed to her that I was going to stop drinking, um obviously I didn't so you know finally uh, it was in October of 2010 that I decided um, that I needed some help and that I was going to go to any extreme in order uh, to rid myself of the desire or the need of wanting to get out of self so I um Kind of self-admitted, obviously, with the help of my now wife, uh, my now lovely wife, Melanie. Um, my mother played a little bit of a role in it, too. I enrolled in Azure Acres, a 30-day inpatient uh, treatment facility, which, to this day, I look at as it was the moment that saved my life. Um, I... Was able to well there uh, dig into some of the reasons, uh, some of the makings of Seth, and some of the reasons why I was or why I rolled the way that I rolled. Finished up the 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 thirty days at Azure Acres, beautiful place, wonderful place up in Sebastopol, California, um, and was kind of um, released out into the out into the real world. Um, you know, obviously the first couple years of, of that, um, were a struggle was a, was a, was a big struggle. Definitely the first two years, you know, it was a, a time where I needed to figure out who in the fuck I was because I had lost self, um, starting, you know, early in the fifth grade all the way up until 2010. So I really had to come up with, or I had to really start rebuilding who I was. And in the process of that, you know, I had to really take a look at the things, um, that were important to me. So this was a time that I really had to start working on self. Um, and I've never, I've never done that. I've never done that, you know? So obviously it was a, it was, it was a difficult time for me where, you know, I started to, um, dig into the teachings of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, some of the teachings of Narcotics Anonymous, and have much respect for those two programs because they started the path of to where I am at today. So today, you know, I have over eight years of sobriety, um, but I don't look into that very much. I look at it as, um, you know, the the typical cliche one day at a time, right? My most important today, uh, sobriety is, is, is most definitely today. You know, I wouldn't have the, the eight years with the, without the whole roundabout of today for sure. Um, so, so today the way that I kind of roll, you know, um, I've kind of adapted the, the thought process that, um, you know, I basically don't have control of fucking anything, you know, it's everything outside of self is, is, Outside of my control the only thing that I can that I can control is the way that I react to things um, Or the way that I respond to things so it's really been a, a process of kind of washing the brain I know I've alluded to this a couple times on the on the show with Shane, but it's it's been a process of washing the brain creating a new way of thinking and Kind of rolling that way so again thanks again for tuning in today this was the tuesday episode of that sober guy radio on next week's show uh, we are going to have melanie my wife we're going to kind of talk about what it was like going through treatment what that whole process was like for her I think it's important too that we include you know not just us who struggle with addiction but also those of us who have family members who are affected by that look out for that uh, we will be doing a regular tuesday show to run in parallel with shane's friday show much love respect and keep your blood clean